Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Blurb, where the back of a book meets a discerning look. Each week, best-selling author Sally Shields and publishing guru Dr. Kent listen to pitches from five authors vying for Book of the Week honors. Now live, on the air, with vigor and style, are Dr. Kent and Sally, the bibliophiles. Hey there, Sally. How are you doing this week? Hey, I am doing great. How are you, Dr. Kent? I'm pretty good. I'm I'm kind of bummed out that I missed uh, Book Expo America, which happened this last weekend, and I I know that you also missed part of it. But you went to a pretty exciting uh, uh, publishing. What what's it called? Yeah, it was called Author 101 U- University, which is run by Rick Frischman, and he and uh, Mark Victor Hansen kind of put together this pre BEA thing every year. And I went to that, and there was there was some pretty exciting stuff going on. Yeah, I first he also Rick sent around a newsletter afterwards, and he uh, said that BEA was a little disappointing this year. So I don't know if you missed much. Yeah, I heard it was quite small. But you know, the neat thing about uh, something like BEA BEA being small is that uh, it means that the little guys are are gaining power. Uh, you know, just like the music industry, everybody says, "Oh, the music industry is dead." Well, no, it's really not. Uh, now we have the ability to uh, find out about uh, our local artists and our local authors, and more people than ever are being published. Well, that's music to my ears, especially since both you and I are are musicians and a little guy, and I still haven't given up on on my music career, even though I've taken a little hiatus because I've been a mom the last seven years. So that's good to know because um, as as a little guy, I plan to uh, to get out there in a big way with my music someday, as well as uh, both of us have books and we want to get those out there. So that's good news for us little guys that we know that we can do some guerrilla marketing tactics and uh, with the in- advent of all this great stuff, the Internet and social networking and so many uh, uh, ideas to to get with the changing publishing industry. My God, it's almost better to not be with a larger agency. It's almost way better to be able to self-publish and be able to retain rights of your own work and all of the wonderful, exciting things that you can do with a book if you own the rights to your own book. I've got to say, uh, now, I'm, I, I'm sure uh, Mark Victor Hansen did a little bit of, uh, of his sales uh, pitches uh, at, at that meeting. Uh, he, <laughs> yeah. Those folks always give great advice. Uh, but usually they're trying to sell something bigger. Well, yeah, I mean, basically I, I was describing to people that, um, you know, Author 101 University was like a giant commercial. You know, there were a lot of great speakers there. You know, it started off with uh, um, a woman uh, whose name I can't remember right now. I actually didn't get there that early because I had to take my kids to school. Her name was, uh, I believe, I can't even think of it, but she was talking about social networking, and I know she has, like, a program that she sells. And after that... Um, there was another speaker, um, and it was <laughs> it was somebody, and then it was Rick Frischman, and then it was uh, Brendan Bouchard, and uh, there was another guy, David Hancock, who has Hancock Publishing, and they all have big programs that they're trying to sell. So they give these great speeches, and at the end of the speeches, um, they they upsell their program, their thousand dollar, or two thousand, or three thousand, or four thousand, or five thousand dollar program. And you just get there, and you are getting a lot of great information. But at the end of the day, my head was absolutely swimming. And, of course, I wanted to sign up for everything, but fortunately, I, I didn't. 
Thank goodness you didn't. Yeah, well, you know, the fun thing about this show is that we don't try to upsell people, even though, uh, you know, we do have some great things that, that both of us offer. Uh, but this show is all about uh, uh, communicating with authors and, and uh, seeing what kind of uh, words they can put down on paper in, in terms of marketing themselves and their books. Yeah, because it is all about the marketing, as we know. I mean, you know, going back to um, Robert Kiyosaki, if, if any of you have heard of, of the book, um, you know, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Well, this was somebody that basically had never written a book. He, he, he was from a foreign country, barely spoke English, and he, um, he wrote a book called Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Uh, he made his money, um, started off in real estate, and he, he had this game called Cash Flow. And he couldn't figure out how to sell the game. It was a very, very intensive game that was basically, you know, taught people about investing, taught people how to save their money, taught people how to buy, real, buy and sell real estate and really make it in, you know, with, with the American dream. He could not find a way to sell the book. So he came up with sell the game. So he came up with this idea that he would write a book in order to sell the game. Now, he got turned down by a lot of publishers, but when he finally did get, get picked up, you know, he did fairly well. He sold about $40,000 worth of books, but the secret and the exciting part of the whole thing is is that he ended up selling about $2.5 million in games, the cash flow game, which goes for $195. He ended up selling so many of those games, and the exciting part about the story is that it's really not the book that you're going to get rich on. It's your book is like a calling card and you're going to use the book to find some other creative way to sell your back end or you know that's what they the buzzword in the industry is your back end. Yeah, I'd like to I'd like to sell my back end, but I don't know if I get any money for it. <laughs> yeah, I'd like to lose a few pounds off my back end. Um but anyway, so so the, the moral of the story is that you know People think, you know, they think about, you know, J.K. Rowling's. They think about, you know, oh, my God, I'm going to write a book and I'm going to sell a million of them. But the reality is, is that, you know, it's not the book necessarily, but it's what you do with the book. It's how you use the book to build your business and to create. Well, and, then, and then there's a, there's a you know, I, I have to say, just because you brought up Robert Kiyosaki, uh, he, I, I was pretty impressed by him, and I, I read his book and this and that. But then I saw him on CNN and he was talking about, you know, um, in this in this financial crisis, he basically was saying, you know, you made your bed, now sleep in it, you know. And I, I you know, I coming from a guy who is now, you know, very very wealthy, um, I, I was pretty disgusted by that. And it's it's interesting to see how a lot of these um, sort of gurus in the money making industry have kind of departed from their. Uh, almost the premise of their own uh, uh, books. Gosh, well, do you think he was talking about you know America in general, sort of like the the the, the higher ups, the, the greedy people in the in the top positions, or do you think he was talking about all the little guys? He was talking about the little guys. Well, I mean, he, you know, he was he was like complain, 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 and you know, but it's 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 a matter of uh, I think a lot of times you end up uh, uh, you know I really uh, respected the guy because I'd read his book. And it's a it's an interesting thing always to meet authors or to hear them actually speak or to interact with them on on something like Twitter or this and that, because then you you might end up seeing a little bit more of their personality. 
Oh, indeed. Well, you know the old adage, never meet your heroes. I mean, that, uh, that is a little disappointing hearing about, you know, uh, Robert Kiyosaki saying something like that because, I mean, my gosh, he's somebody that has been really, 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 really blessed, and he should be in- encouraging at every step of the way. And, um, you know, I, one thing I have to say about MVH is that Mark Victor Hansen is that he was absolutely encouraging to every single person in the room. And he, even though he was selling a program, I have to give it to him, he was selling the program at a very, very deep discount. He wanted everybody to come to, quote, mega. I kind of laugh at that because everybody's got, like, their own little words for stuff in the industry. And he's got this program, I guess he does it a couple times a year, called, the, you know, Mega Book Convention. Is that what it's called, the Mega Book Convention or something like that? But he hmm. calls it mega. And so all the does that mean, guys. Does that mean everybody that walks in the door has to have like a forty-pound book, or <laughs> the convention oh, is mega? <laughs> it's just funny because like they're like, gotta come to mega, gotta come to mega. And so even though <laughs> mega was only three hundred dollars for those participating at Author One Hundred One University, uh, for others I think it was like around twelve hundred dollars or something. But basically, <clears throat> he was trying to get people to come to mega and he was very very encouraging and he he was showing a lot of slides about um you know these young entrepreneurs uh encouraging young people to come up with great ideas and you know to support charities and to tithe i mean all sorts of wonderful things he was filled with gra- with with a with a what's the word i'm looking for sort of an over uh an overview of if you will of gratitude he had that sort of um uh, feeling about him that he was grateful for everything that he had and that he was trying to convey a message and an attitude of gratitude and f- I did have to give it to him for that because um, when you did talk about Robert Kiyosaki in that interview that he gave on Fox that was a little bit discouraging and you need people you know if we are going to look up to people in this industry we've got to look up to the people that are being positive to the young people and encouraging Absolutely. Well, one one great thing about this show is that last week uh, we had a 13-year-old on the air, and she'd already written, what, uh, 19 books or something, and uh, oh it's fun to discover uh, a lot of great uh, new authors and talk with some really well-established authors. You know, I mean, a, a few weeks ago uh, uh, we talked with, um, uh, and I'm forgetting her name now, but she she's sold uh, hundreds of thousands of books. Um, Duxta, Duxta, Laura Duxta. Yeah, Laura Duxta, Duxta incredible, and and. That's what this show is about. Uh, we're, we're all about how well do you market yourself. You're stuck in an elevator with, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, Dumbo the famous elephant. Uh, how are you going to explain to Dumbo how, uh, 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 you know, about your book and about your this and that? Well, you just triggered two two little thoughts. One is that with with the little um, um, uh, J.K. Hawkins last week, I was impressed by the fact that she actually wrote every night because. I mean, that's the mark of a true writer. When I asked her, I said, honey, you know, do, do you write, well, how often do you write? Well, I write every night. And I was thinking to myself, wow, well, you know, the traditional model is that what, what I've learned in this business is that, you know, you're supposed to, well, you can tell me because you're, you know, you're the publishing guru, but you're supposed to spend 10% of your time writing and you're supposed to spend 90% of your time marketing. And and it also brings back to something that, that Kiyosaki, even though we just poo-pooed him, um, <laughs> something that he said um, at, at the publicity summit that I attended last year, what he said was, and it's kind of a famous quote, I didn't want to be a best-selling, uh, I didn't want to be the best writer. I wanted to be the best 
best-selling author. I didn't want to be the best author. I wanted to be the best-selling author. I know I'm not but saying isn't that, that. But isn't that a little disgusting? Well, you know what? If, if you're if you're talking to somebody like myself, and I'm just going to be honest here, I swear to God, the last thing that I wrote was a paper in high school. And yes, I'm being a little bit facetious here. But before I wrote The Daughter-in-Law Rules, the best-selling book, The Daughter-in-Law Rules, literally, I had just gone to the rules ladies for advice. I was like, ladies, you have all these women meet and marry the men of their dreams. Where's the manual for the mother-in-law? Because I honestly just wanted advice. And when they told me that I should write it, I was like, what, me? And I knew that I was not uh, Hemingway. And in no way, shape, or form was I Hemingway, but I know I had an entrepreneurial spirit and a creative spirit. And so for somebody like myself, who was actually able to pull off a book that I felt had a message and I felt could change, you know, could help people, because those are the, the two ingredients that anybody needs in order to make a book successful are simply two things. You have to have a sincere desire to help people and you have to have a passion for your topic. You don't have to be a great writer. And if you are somebody that has a message that, that wants to get out, you're not a writer, you can still have a successful book. And that's the part about, about it that I do find encouraging. What do you think about that? Well, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm just in the peanut gallery because, I mean, you're a, uh, a best-selling author. I, 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 I just hobnob with best-selling authors. I'm, I'm hoping that... Uh, I'll, I'll be in that category one of these days. But, you know, the the interesting thing is that, you know, uh, it's being an author is so much about, uh, you know, just uh, stepping over the fence and saying, here I am. Uh, and even being a best-selling author is just about getting your getting your hat in the ring and doing it. Yeah, and that brings me back to the second idea that you sparked when you talked about Laura Duxta. And, you know, she really, really, really inspired me because – I, I looked at what she did, and she basically created events for herself to go out and to sell and to sign books. And you know, she wrote this beautiful children's book called "I Love You More." Is that what it was called? "I Love You More." Yep. Or, yep. And she sold uh, what 170,000 copies oh, before before she got picked up by a big publisher. My goodness, isn't that so great? And you know, it gave me an idea, and that's what I love about this show too, is that we get ideas from our authors. And you know what I did that week? I actually picked up the phone and called 10 or 15 uh, bridal salons in my little neck of the woods, and two of them are hosting events for me that they're basically going to be hosting events. It's, they're going to be called the Daughter-in-Law Rules Seminar Event, and they're, um, the first one is going to be on June 23rd, and they're going to have a three-piece band. They're going to have flowers and a local chocolate lady coming. And uh, mm. I brought in a couple of my friends. Uh, uh, this wonderful woman, Cynthia Conde from Bridal Boot Camp, is going to come and little, give a little presentation about how to get in shape before the wedding. And here I am giving my first presentation and book signing, and it was all because of Lord Duxta, Duxta and her ideas. So that really sparked an idea in me. And and, and an amazing thing about uh, the book industry, uh, where it is now, let's say, part of the reason, in my opinion, that something like Book Expo America isn't doing well is that that's the staid, stinky old industry, in my opinion. Uh, and the amazing thing is what you're talking about is the wonderful, um, lavender-smelling new industry. You know, and it's, Oh, I love it's, that. <laughs> it's it's, it's, it's uh, where... You can create your own reality. You can get your books out there. She sold 170,000 books on yeah. her own. I and mean, you know, yeah. that's the new industry. Well, I also wanted to tell you a little nugget of you know insider information that 
Um, I'm not going to mention names because obviously that wouldn't be fair, but I spoke with an author today that I met at Author 101 University that, now this is kind of bone-chilling, they gave him a, uh, in advance, uh, he signed with, I think it was McGraw-Hill or something like that, their second largest advance they'd ever given. And do you want to take, do you want to take a, a, a guess at how much they gave him? Mm, 700 grand? Uh, well, I wish no. <laughs> that would have been nice for him. It was it was th- it was three hundred thousand, which was yeah. unheard it's of massive. because yeah, massive, massive. Because usually, even with with big publishers like that, you're looking at between like three and twenty. Um, but the reason they gave him such a large advance, and I'm going to get to my point in a second, is that he basically went out and created commercials for himself, and put them on the air. Uh, basically made a back-end line of products that had to do with, um, you know, fitness and supplements and blah, 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 and basically created a buzz about himself um, to really make make a brand for himself. But here, here's the point that I want to make. Do you know what they actually told him? Because the, 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 the misconception in the industry is that, wow, I want to get signed by McGraw-Hill. I want to get signed by Simon & Schuster. I want Random House to pick me up. Like, you know, people have these dreams of writing a book and then getting signed by one of the big five. But I'm going to tell you folks what they told him. Now, he's somebody very well respected um, because he created something for himself. But he doesn't know too much about bookmarking. But what they told him was, listen, we don't know anything about marketing. We know hardly anything about marketing. So we're leaving this up to you. We trust you. Now go out and do your thing. Now is that shocking or what? From one of the huge publishers, for them to say, we don't know anything about publishing. We trust well, you. Shocking. Go out and do it. Do it. Shocking to you, but not me, because uh, those are the kind of glimpses that you get into the industry. Um, uh, the author of Still Alice, uh, who I interviewed on my other radio show, uh, uh, when her book was still uh, independent, uh, she had sold. I think she sold a few thousand copies or a couple hundred copies, and it's a beautiful book about uh, Alzheimer's, and it's a novel called Still Alice, and her name's Lisa Genova, and she literally, when her book went on the market, there was literally a bidding war for her book, and she ended up getting also six figures. Uh, I don't know how much exactly, half a million, or you know, somewhere in the same range as what you're talking about, and it's. You know, I don't understand why publishers do that. Uh, it, it, to me, it doesn't make much sense, um, and that's why publishers are going broke. Well, they probably think that the people they invest in have platforms, and that's the other buzzword in this industry, platform. P- people are not going to be signing authors unless they have large platforms. And if you have a platform, what I mean by that is if you have you know, a, a web presence or if you have a television presence, if you're a celebrity, if you have a, a radio show or television show or some kind of reality series or something like that, then you've got a platform. You've got a way, or, or if you're a speaker and you have a way to reach lots and lots of people in your demographic, you know, week after week, year after year. That's a platform. That's what that's what publishers are banking on. They're banking on you, the author, going out and selling your book for them. That's what the advance is all about. They're saying, okay, we believe that you're going to go out there and sell this amount of books for us. So without a platform, 
you know, you're way better off not getting sold or picked up by a large company. Now, what did your friend eventually do? Did she sell through? And that's another word in the industry. Selling through means did she sell enough books to make back the amount of money that they spent paying her for her advance? Uh, yeah, it was, uh, you know, I think she got an advance. I, I mean, we'd have to talk to her for the, the specific details, but um, I know she was pretty thrilled by the sum of money. You know, well, I know what don't. I'm saying is I'm wondering if, if the company was thrilled, did she did she then go out there and sell the amount of books that, that paid them back? I think she's still in the middle of it. I I, okay. <clears throat> I, I imagine the company also invested a good deal more. Um, you know, you, you always talk about shelf space. I, I think she is in book clubs and in the front of a lot of different stores. So I think it will still probably be seen whether that book will – you know, but this is what those companies do. It's like block, it's blockbuster movie companies do that also. They if if they lose money on one of these books, they cut their losses and they can take it off their taxes. Right. Well, it's 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 the eighty twenty rule. They put eighty percent of their budget into their their top twenty hopefuls. Right. And you know, yeah. It's it's but but what it comes down to, uh, coming back to why we're on the air, is it comes down to. Even these people, I mean, the, the illusion is still out there that, oh, I'm going to make it big, you know, and somebody's going to sign me, and then my life's going to be great. Well, that's not really the reality of it. Um, the reality is Laura Duxta sold 170,000 copies by getting out there on her own two feet. Right. And uh, that's how she made it. You know, and, that's and that right. Makes, in the music industry, too, both of these industries, um, the, the famous uh, artists and the famous authors are out there working their tails off. That's right. It's 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 about doing it. It's about the author. The author is 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 have is the one that has to sell the book. It's up to us. It's up to us to come up with creative ways to get out there and do our thing and sell the book. Because nobody cares about your book more than you do, and nobody's going to sell it for you. Not the big companies. Nobody. It's up to us, and that's why all this talk about social networking and Twitter and Facebook and trying to come up with guerrilla marketing strategies and learning how to do your own PR is also important. And sponsorships and and partnerships and trying to get um, you know connected with with charities and Fortune 500 companies. These are all ideas that us as the little people can can actually do. I mean, there was a wonderful guy at the author university. Have you heard of Brendan Bouchard and Life's Golden Ticket? Nope. Well, he's a he's a guy, a young guy. Um, he ended up, uh, long story short, he went down to South America, got in a car accident, almost lost his life, um, felt like he got a second chance, saw his life in review, wrote a book called Life's Golden Ticket, felt like life had handed him a second chance. And he had this book, he had this message, he was uh, basically a... Um, turned into sort of a, a youth leader, and he ended up partnering with a bunch of corporations and nonprofits and ended up getting something like $3 million in corporate sponsorships, and now he speaks to youth groups all over the United States, and he's got, like, piles of money coming in, and it was just a really wonderful idea. But, but then again, he is now selling a program um, in terms of how to do this. So it's it's almost confusing like well is he making his money uh selling the course or is he making his money doing sponsorships it's i guess it's both i guess like what do you how do you what do you think about all that well what i think is that uh blurbs mean a whole lot and i think we should listen to a blurb <laughs> i think it's about time i mean i you know in one thing that i'm weak on uh let's say this is uh, blurbing myself or uh, 
doing the elevator speech, and and it's because it's not part of my daily job. I'm 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 not an author. I generally am putting on my publisher hat, uh, and. Uh, because of that, uh, I find blurbs really fascinating. I can tell people if they have a good blurb, but if someone says to me, so, uh, <laughs> and you can ask any question, I'm, I'm going to be long-winded and give about a five-minute answer. I don't have my blurbs down. Well, you know, I was thinking that this week, that it might be fun for you and I to create blurbs at some point in the next couple of weeks and give it a shot ourselves, just for the sheer practice of it and for, for the fun of it. I mean, we're, we're the host of this show. We should at least give it a shot. But then they're going to raid us. They're going to tell us how awful our blurbs are. That's okay. That's okay. You know, we gotta we gotta throw our hat in the ring. Indeed. But I I'm really excited now. Um, I, I think I want to start out with um, we neglected one of our authors last week. We had five blurbs ready, and we didn't have a chance to get to one of them. I believe that was uh, was that Liara. Yeah, but you know the good thing is uh, uh, we didn't tell Liara that she was supposed to be on last week, so hopefully she wasn't disappointed, and she'll be excited that she's on this week. Indeed. So let's listen to Liara Covert, and uh, this is in the women's category. This is our first blurb of the night. Here we go. Love Talk Radio. Could talking to a stranger in passing on a public bus change your life forever? For the author of self-disclosure, changes from within... That's exactly what happened. A brief interaction set a romance in motion with a partner who lived 18,000 kilometers away. It only takes a moment to listen to intuition. From then on, nothing is ever the same. Events in this story unfold to teach the author that love is why we exist. Love expands in ways she did not imagine possible. She learns her own misunderstandings are stepping stones to pleasant surprises. This quest for insight propels her on world travels. She evolves from superficial awareness to deeper understanding of the self. She learns to expect the unexpected. After all, she's not alone. Is her unique companion only a conscience? This book invites readers to explore sources of their own fear, and to learn what it means to reassess their own evolution. It is all about being conscious of why you really make certain choices and how your perspective and access to inner power is shifting beneath the surface. The book recognizes how each human being feels like a prisoner inside his own mind, inside his perceived predicament, at least until he chooses to step outside another comfort zone one finds capacities that had been temporarily forgotten. Love opens the door to a journey into modern shamanic healing. This is not the journey of how love heals one person. It's how love awakens the soul. A shaman alters his state of mind to access creative power and untapped abilities. As you observe your life, you can explore different ways of experiencing what happens and alter your perception of reality. After all, it's your dream, your inner journey. Will this involve the supernatural? Tap into what you forgot you already know. Grasp how to reconnect with your authentic self at this moment. Self-disclosure, changes from within, offers a key to unlocking your spiritual potential and opens the door to limitless happiness and love. 
Liara Covert has taken conventional and unconventional training in communications, cross-disciplinary studies, and psychology. She feels privileged to learn from leading thinkers in areas of spiritual growth. Her awareness is enriched by experiences in over 50 countries. It's her hope to empower others to build faith, trust, and confidence in phenomena they do not always understand. Was that the end? I, th- I think so. Hmm, a little abrupt. <laughs> yeah, that was interesting. Well, you know, the the um, she had this very soothing voice. Yeah, like, okay, at first I thought it was going to be like a fiction novel. A fiction and, novel? Yeah, at first, because <laughs> it was like, it was like, it sounded like, you know, um, you know, a, a man meets a woman, a brief interaction on a bus 18,000 miles apart, and it's only a brief moment, and they fall in love, and it's going to be like this fictional love story. But see, but a fiction novel, isn't that, isn't that, a, that's like saying a, a fish that swims. <laughs> You're right. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so, so a fiction. So <laughs> that is too funny. But then it started getting all like, you know, woo because it was really about the the lover that she had was really her own conscience. Isn't that funny? I was actually going to call it a woo-woo blurb also. I think we, we might agree on that one. But I, the, I have to say, the first line, I, I tweeted it. I liked it so much. It and it great. was, could talking to a stranger on a public bus change your life forever? Whoa. Right. Didn't, yeah. She could take us anywhere from right there. T- totally. I mean, she had me at hello. That was really, really intriguing. And then she was very soothing. And as the blurb went on, it just kind of sucked me more and more into her, like, realm. Because, you know, it basically uh, is, is, I don't want to go there, but Law of Attraction, if you will, uh, kind of a book. It's like how you create your own reality and how you, uh, you know, how you think about your own thoughts can can change the the direction of your life. And um, there's so many books out there on that subject, but she had her own very unique spin to it, which I really liked. Nice. Well, okay, let's listen to the next one. Um, and I think we should do another one in the, um, what did you call it, the... Uh, uh, the fiction novel category. <laughs> okay. This one's from Michael Lane. Here we go. Blog Talk Radio. Hello, my name is Michael Lane. I'm the author of The Wisdom of Yachty Rum, an old New Orleans jazz musician and a secret that will harmonize your life. The Wisdom of Yachty Rum is a story that blends memoir and inspirational writing with a spicy mix of New Orleans jazz, cuisine, and history. It's a story about relationships, self-discovery, and more than anything, about discovering the power of paying attention to bring about a positive change in our lives. You know, there's times in our lives when an idea hits us so strong, it's like a giant wave washing across our consciousness. Something so strong we feel frozen for a moment by its impact on our thoughts. An epiphany. A moment of awakening or sudden insight that leaves us feeling different, somehow forever changed. I had one of those epiphany moments while I was in New Orleans in February of 2005, following a late evening business dinner while walking back to my hotel in the French Quarter. I stopped under the awning of Reverend Zombie's Voodoo Shop on St. Peter Street, directly across the street on the sidewalk in front of Preservation Hall. A line of 
30 or 40 people snaked along the front of the building waiting to get in. I could hear as well as feel the beat of New Orleans jazz radiating from the building. Standing there, staring through the drizzle at the old structure, I suddenly felt the presence of an old jazz man, his energy, his grace. I returned to my hotel, made a few brief notes to myself about the experience. Three nights later, I awoke in the middle of the night with a name on my mind. I got up, fumbled with the light in my hotel room, found a pad of paper and a pen, and I wrote down the name Yachty Rum. Y-A-W-D-Y-R-U-M. My plan had always been to leave the corporate world and begin a career writing. Little did I know when I first wrote that goal down over 30 years ago, an old jazz man would lead me to writing this book. I think you would enjoy the story. More than that, I think Yachty's wisdom can allow you to discover the courage to make any change that you'd like in your life. The book's won three awards. It's won the um, Independent Publishers Gold Medal winner for Best Regional Fiction with a depiction of New Orleans and set during Hurricane Katrina. It's won the uh, Ippy Award, which is another independent uh, press award for excellence in writing. And then it won the 2008 Eric Hoffer Book Award for the Self-Help Spiritual Category. The Wisdom of Yachty Rum, the story of an old musician, a friendship, and the power to change. I think you'd like it. Well, I have to say, um, you know, he had me at the end. This is kind of the opposite of the last one. I, I Once he started talking about the awards... Um, and then he said it's the story of an old jazz musician uh, and this and that. I, I He had me there. Uh, but at the beginning, I wish there would have been something a little bit more like that. Well, it was interesting because at the beginning, he was telling this story, and I was, like, completely wrapped. Like, he had, you know, stopped in New Orleans and his ear, and he heard, you know, uh, there was, like, outside of this reverence, and there was 30 or 40 people waiting to get in line. He was feeling the beat of New Orleans jazz, and he was staring through the drizzle, and the energy and some grace, and then he fell asleep, and all of a sudden he woke up with this name. Like, I was I was hoping that it was going to be a, a, a nonfiction and then it turned out to be a fiction. So in a way, I was like, "Oh shoot! I really wanted this to be like a real story," but but it it, it came out to be a, a, a fiction novel. <laughs> um, no, I'm just joking. Um, but yeah, so it was it was cool. I mean, in a way, I, I I'm drawn to nonfiction, so I was like almost hoping for a nonfiction. But it it could be a very very um, you know wow. It it definitely made me want to read it. Well, if he's if he's won, uh, you know those three awards. It's you know those are pretty significant. Uh, you know, best regional fiction and talking about New Orleans in that time period. And you know, we always lo- love to read about old jazz musicians or characters like that. And uh, with a title like Yachty Rum, he's 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 got some great interesting things going on there. Absolutely, and it kind of hit a nerve with me because I was actually in New Orleans um, around in around 2005 when I was touring with with James McBride. So uh, who knows? I, I don't remember the exact month I was there, but we could very well may have crossed paths. Wow. Well, you know, and and it's it's uh, a huge part of this country's history uh, and something that is not all that uh, written about, honestly. And in fiction, so I, I can imagine that's that's a big part of why he got the awards. So what about the blurb itself? I mean, I, he, you're right. He did kind of lead us in 
um, in a nice way. I mean, the way you picked it up, you heard this whole story and you were excited. And I, you know, I had the picture in my head of the lion building outside Preservation Hall. And, you know, I, I think it was a great blurb. Yeah, I really enjoyed it as well. And uh, I thought he, he developed um, some bling and some cre- created some curiosity and he gave some good information, delivered it well. So in terms of our criteria, I think he did a good job. Right, and if and again, um, and outside of our criteria, if he'd had me on a you know eighty-five floor, three-minute elevator ride, I, I think I would have been saying, okay, I'll buy your book by the time I got to the bottom. Sure. Well, we do want to mention that generally speaking, an elevator speech should be between uh, fifteen and, and twenty seconds tops. So these well, I mean, blurbs, who's been yeah. who's been on an elevator that lasts longer than twenty seconds? Exactly. Exactly. I was just so, talking about I was just <laughs> talking about a super super tall building. <laughs> yeah, indeed, indeed. I have to agree with you there. <laughs> well, let's listen to another one. Um, uh, how about uh, what do you think? A nonfiction? How about uh, what's Candy Wingate? What's other? Uh, you never know what other is. Let's check out the other. All right, Candy Wingate. Here we go. Blog Talk Radio. 100 Tips for Nannies and Families is the name of the book. In today's society, finding quality childcare is important to so many families, no matter where you live. For qualified nannies, it's just as crucial to find a family that you feel comfortable with so that you can provide the best possible care. In this book, you'll find tips and advice for both families looking to hire a nanny and for nannies looking for a job. Not sure how much to pay a new nanny? Do you need advice on interview questions? This book will tell you. Whether you need a full-time live-in nanny or a part-time live-out nanny, you'll learn about how to run a nanny background check, what nannies are expected to do on the job, and what to expect from an employer. The advice in this book comes from years of my experience as a nanny, placement coordinator, owner for Nannies of Nebraska, and as owner of NannieSForHire.com, BabysittersForHire.com, and CareForHire.com. We have been affiliated with the nanny industry since 1987 and helping families throughout the United States and Canada find successful matches using the easy-to-use zip code online search. And if you're still not convinced, consider this. We have ongoing relationships with Dr. Phil, Super Nanny, TLC's John and Kate Plus 8, just to name a few. Again, abrupt ending, uh, but uh, she had a lot of information in that short blurb. Yeah, it was interesting because, um, you know, she did what we were talking about earlier, where she wrote the book. It's pretty obvious that she wrote the book in order to get business for her, uh, to, to get more people interested in her business because she's somebody that worked both sides of it. She was a nanny, and she's she's now in the industry helping to place nannies. And she transitioned from talking about her book right about her business. You know, our business is on the web, and we create successful matches, and you can find us here. And she's got a business, and she created a book in order to uh, get credibility and build her business. So she's somebody that has really used her used her um her her book to uh to help her business which is a great thing that we that any of us can do so for that i think she did a a good job um yes it was abrupt she could have spoken a little bit longer i think it was only about 60 seconds long 
Yeah, and that's in, you know that's an interesting thing because you know I sort of joke around, but uh, uh, you are you are always very specific when you talk about an elevator speech, and, and this show is not about elevator speeches; it's about blurbs. And a blurb is when you have three minutes with someone. And the reason I made the joke about the long elevator ride is you really don't get three minutes with anyone right now. That's right. So that's right. If you get on the phone with someone for three minutes, that means they're genuinely interested already. Uh, and which we are, and that's why this show is so great. Um, but tell us how you can get that person on the phone for those three minutes. Oh, my goodness. I don't know about that because usually when you're pitching a book, uh, you're, you're pitching the media, you're pitching radio hosts or producers, or you're pitching a producer for a television show or some kind of media where you're, you're try- or, or a magazine, an editor, somebody that you're trying to get publicity from. And these people are so busy. They do not have time usually they have about five or ten seconds and you have about that to know whether or not you'll you'll know after about five or ten seconds whether or not they're interested in hearing more or not and once you give a little create your curiosity if they like it then they'll say okay tell me more or we're going to set up an interview with you but you need to first hook them in the first 10 or 15 seconds and once they express interest then you'll have your three minutes after that. But it's the first 10 to 15 seconds that really, really, that you need to learn how to create your perfect sen- your perfect three sentences so that you can tell people exactly what your name is, what your vision is, the name of your book, your vision, and how exactly you can help them solve a problem. Because that's really what it's all about. It's about you helping somebody make their life better, how you can solve a problem for somebody, and how what you have what you have to offer them what's in it for them that's really what people are going to read read your book they don't read it for the jollies of reading the book they're reading it because they want something out of it so that they can improve their lives that's really why they're reading your book and that's what we have to keep in mind when we're giving our elevator speech or our blurb people want to know what's in it for them they want to know the benefits so an exercise that might be good for any author out there is to sit down and write down a list of 25 benefits of your book. Now, I'm not talking about um, things, you know, I'm not talking about descriptive things. I'm talking about... about, How about putting it under the short table leg? (laughs) What do you mean? (laughs) You said said the the real benefits of the book. I was thinking, well, you could use it to prop (laughs) something up or... (laughs) Oh, my gosh, that's so funny. Kindling in the fire. (laughs) That's funny. Oh, those are bad books. Those are those aren't those aren't the daughter-in-law rules. Those are the those are the, the poor books, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. Did you did you ever do stand up? Did I? No, I'm actually sitting. I I'm not I don't I'm not funny once I get out of my chair. <laughs> you are so funny. Yeah, it depends oh, on the date. But I I did interrupt you though. Uh because it's it, I mean it's it's very important uh even for someone like me uh, you know, there's a, uh, several things that are important for personalities, you know, and, and you become a personality once you do something like a radio show or once you, gosh, who knows what, but you need a headshot, you need a website, you need, uh, you know, and if you have a book, you know, it, what is the book about? Can you do it, you know, like when you go to a website, can you see in one second what this person's about? And that's right. the same thing with your, with your um, how you can attract someone, right? 
It's true, and you want, and you know, here's another buzzword, and it's funny, you know, I kind of joke because, um, you know, I, I really was new to this inter- industry until just a, about a couple years ago, and I very quickly learned what the buzzwords were in the industry. You know, when you take something seriously, you kind of figure things out pretty quick, and one of the uh, the industry buzzwords is branding, and I always joke that, you know, you've got to be like a, like a, a farmer, you know, and, and a cow, you know, you've got to learn about branding and you've got to learn about um you know what do farmers and cows have to do with publishing you've got to learn how to brand yourself silly and uh uh what else do farmers you have to um <laughs> there was another analogy i can't even think of it right now but branding is something that you really have to do you have to you know what branding is is when somebody hears your name or they look at a title of your book they they, they know exactly what it is that you have to offer them they they know what you're about what problem you can solve and who you are and what you do and what what you have to uh to say. So um that that's that's something that that's a good idea for people to to think about, you know, when you hand out a business card, hand out a business card that has the cover of your book on it. That's also branding, you know, so that when people think about you and you, they'll think about your book cover. It's kind of like this one image. Maybe you want to if you go out and give speeches, you want to maybe dress in the the same color shirt as the cover of your book you want to kind of match things <laughs> you know I, I i've done most of my radio appearances with with a pink shirt on because the cover of my book is pink and helps raise money for the national breast cancer foundation which is you know think pink and i've tried to create a brand that way so but i have I don't kind, of a, know what I have kind of a un-pc uh question <laughs> for you my the book i'm writing uh, is called blind but now i see and it's about an incredible musician who, uh, of course, was blind. But uh, do I go on radio shows pretending to be blind? Because, I mean, one of the fascinating things is I'm also, you know, giving um, part of the proceeds to the Federation for the Blind. You know, 70% of blind people don't uh, don't have jobs. Yeah, you know, you told me that. That's That's really fascinating. It's unbelievable. Anyway, um, you know, enough fun facts for the day. I think we have a guest on the line. I, 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 I'm not sure if it's uh, uh, yes, who I we hope it, it might be. I believe it's who we hope it, it is, which is Dr. David Robinson, who is our winner from last week. But I think, I think before we talk to him, I think we need to listen to one more blurb. What's your, what's your take? Let's see here. All right, let's do it. I think we should listen to, hmm, how about Timothy Glass? Perfect. In the nonfiction category. Uh, uh, another blurb for you in the nonfiction category. Here we go. Blog Talk Radio. My name is Timothy Glass, author of Just This Side of Heaven and five other books. I'm a member of the Authors Guild and the Association for Pet Loss and Bereavement. Just This Side of Heaven is a nonfiction book that celebrates life through loss. The fact is, that most of us will outlive our beloved family pet and be left holding only an empty leash. Just this side of heaven is a story of Penny, a 30-pound beetle with a 90-pound heart of gold, who through this book is touching lives all over the world. Her heartwarming journey of love and loyalty has helped people to heal, not only after the loss of a pet, but a loved one too. Wow, well, that was a that was an elevator speech. That was an elevator speech, and it was a good elevator speech. It was a beautiful one. It was. It was fantastic. I, I want him to do another blurb. Absolutely. Well, it, but it, it really touching, um, and and I think it was a wonderful example for folks that want to know 
when I have 30 seconds, what do I say? That was beautiful. I mean, he almost had me cry within 30 seconds. I know. You know, I'm already, oh, my gosh. I mean, any of us, I know you're a pet lover. I have two beloved pets. And, oh, it just brings up such grieving feelings thinking about the future. But I don't even want to think about that. But, you know, he's touching a lot of lives. And um, it's, it's a, it's a beautiful, it sounds like a beautiful, beautiful book. So let's let's listen to one more blurb uh, just for fun. Uh, Morgan Lawrence, uh, and maybe this is a full-length blurb here. And this is also in the nonfiction category. Blog Talk Radio. Imagine if, when you went to work tomorrow, you were responsible for saving someone's life, or even worse, having to take someone's life. The Streets Ran Red is an account of the true life stories of the men and women I have associated with in my career as a paramedic. While reading this book, you will get the feel and understanding of some of the pressures of working the street. These are the accounts of the lives of a pair of deputy sheriff paramedics and the supporting cast of medical experts who helped them save lives. This is a true account of a group of very special individuals who make up a very special team. The accounts described in this book actually happened and the victims were real. The names and locations have been changed at the request of some of the characters. These are the men and women who, on a daily basis, protect and serve the public from the perils of the real world. The golden era of trauma begins when a person is injured and the clock starts to tick. This is when the trauma team of doctors, nurses, and paramedics step up to the line to save your life. Some of the actions of this book are graphic in nature and intense in reality. This is the nature of the job. Split-second decisions have to be made if you are to survive. So before you ask why, read on and the answer will become clear to you. This book is available at Barnes & Noble and all major bookstores, Amazon.com, eBay.com, and AuthorHouse.com. Thank you for your time and consideration and have a safe day. This is Morgan Lawrence. Thank you. All of our blurbs this week have been quite brief, uh, which, you know, I, I, that one was definitely not um, an elevator speech. It was definitely a blurb, but it was on the short side. I, I, I would have liked to know maybe a little bit of one of the stories, but it was a beautiful blurb. Yeah, I would definitely would have liked to have heard something about a story. I mean, it was very riveting. It, it was absolutely something that I never thought about, you know, a story from a paramedic's point of view. And the clock starts ticking as soon as someone gets injured. And the fact that you have to either, you know, you have to make a decision, you're responsible for, for saving someone's life or taking someone's life. And, you know, that, you know, a lot of those cop shows on today are, you know, CSI Miami, CSI New York. They, they That's the popularity because there's that pulsing kind of like, uh, you know, they create such, it's a it's sort of a riveting edge of your seat kind of a situation. And I really uh, thought, think that it's a, a great uh, topic for a book, and I'd be interested in reading that book. So I think he did a really good job with that blurb. And his, his uh, speaking uh, uh, was a little bit quiet at the beginning, but after about five or ten seconds, he really had me engaged. Absolutely. Well, you know, I just looked at the time. Let's get Dr. David on the line. I agree. And hello to Dr. David Robinson. Is this you? Yes, it is. Good evening, Dr. Kent and Sally. How are you both? I'm doing pretty well. Thank Very you good. for being here. Thank you for the opportunity to be on your show. 
Well, so you won a blurb of the week, uh, blurb book of the week last week. Uh, congratulations, and we thought you did a, a beautiful job uh, uh, telling us uh, what your story is about. And and uh, why don't you tell us a little bit more about uh, your book? Well, it started out being written about three years ago, and it came. The idea came to me to write a book that would deliberately be under 100 pages because of the two extremes that I saw out there on the shelves and in the public being marketed concerning dieting and weight loss and healthy lifestyles. You know, we either had the one extreme where there were pills or potions being offered claiming quick weight loss, or we had books that were 200-plus pages being touted about metabolism and nutrition and were extremely complicated. So I sat down to write a book that was under 100 pages and accomplished it. I've got a question for you. Yes. Now, the words on a, on any page of, of any kind of diet or, or exercise book or wellness or healthy lifestyle, I mean, how can that really affect a person who honestly has sort of perhaps maybe even, uh, you know, food addictions or they're used to eating a certain way or they're used to, you know, having some kind of like dessert at the end of their meal or they're just like, maybe not used to stopping when they when they feel filled, but there's still food on their plate, and so they just naturally eat it. How can words on a page actually transform somebody from going from perhaps like borderline unhealthy lifestyle to really changing their habits? How can anybody do that with words on a page? They have to have the desire and the intention first. If they pick up the book and they read it and they have the desire and intention to do it, they should follow through with it. If they don't have the desire and intention, nothing is going to make them unless it's a medical crisis. Wow, because I think that that's a problem with a lot of people. They're not quite at that medical precipice. They're sort of like, well, they're a little overweight, you know, I'd like to lose some weight. But they're not quite there yet. They're, they're not quite at the point where they're sort of their doctors are saying, lose weight or you'll die. That's unfortunately where the motivating factor comes in most of the time, is when they get into a medical per- personnel and they say, you must change or there will be a crisis. So what about all those other in-between folks? Is there any hope for us? Absolutely. Absolutely. There are myriads of types of books out there. Obviously, I tell mine, it's a simple book. and It's deliberately simple. Uh, but people, again, have to have the desire. They have to have the intent. They have to want to make the change. Well, it's it's such a, a powerful topic, uh, and uh, what has uh, it been like for you to be um, kind of out in the media as an author as well uh, as uh, an expert? It's It's been fun, actually. This is the, the fourth radio interview I've done this week. We started Sunday night, and it's uh, it's run the gamut from the topics of the book, the core topics of the book, nutrition, exercise, sleep, etc., to the political topics of universal health care, health insurance reform. And that, that's, that's been exciting, quite frankly. Well, um, tell us where uh, we can find uh, your book and, uh, and find out more about you online and all of that. Sure. The book is available at uh, Amazon.com, Barnes & Noble. It can be bought directly through the publisher, Strategic Book Publishing, and any independent bookstore is capable of ordering it from the publisher. And uh, Sally, do you have any questions? Oh, just that I can't wait to read your book. I mean, I'm um, really looking forward to it because I'm somebody that's read uh, 
quite a few diet and exercise books in my lifetime, and <laughs> always looking for that next magic one. Well, you know, I'm, I'm one of those people that you know, uh, uh, you know, loses weight and then kind of loses desire, loses weight, yeah. gains it back, loses weight. Not terribly overweight. I've had two kids. I'd say, you know, like in the average person, 12 to 15 pounds. Right. And um, looking for that, you know, that desire that's going to sort of, uh, you know, that motivational aspect that's going to sort of sustain. It is It is a simple book. It's an easy read. The core is 62 pages. And, it, again, it's deliberately like that. There's, there's no need to have to plow through a dissertation of 200 pages on metabolism. But the change, uh, in, as I've said three times already, it has to be a desire and an intent. Otherwise, right. I know it's that it's a mental thing in, in a it, lot of cases. It is. But it's also people need the tools and the basic tools, the simple tools. And when you yeah. read the book, you'll see just how simple it is. Now, what do you think about, I've been reading this other book uh, by, have you heard of, um, I'm not sure if you've heard about uh, Abraham Hicks, the uh, Esther and Jerry Hicks, and they, they channel the, this non-physical entity named Abraham. And he talks a lot about, you know, weight loss and, and, and alignment. And and basically what, what this non-physical entity Abraham says is that if your belief is that if it's difficult to lose weight, then you won't lose weight. If your belief is that it's easy to lose weight and that you are in alignment with, with uh, your best physical sense, then you will have the body that you dream of. Now, what would your reaction be to, to that particular uh, philosophy? He's right on the mark. It's what Napoleon Hill said, what you conceive and believe you achieve. And it also ties into visualization. And some people balk at visualization, but I, I say if it's good enough for the military and training their, their special ops, then why isn't it good for Joe and, and, and Jane Smith when they want to make a transition from healthy to unhealthy? It works. Now, tell me, what is the criteria for healthy? Is healthy those skinny models that you see on the magazines at the, at the, at the, at the, at the supermarket. You know, when I see Angelina Jolie, when I see, you know, uh, all these beautiful women that, that are, look great in these, these Oscar-winning dresses, the, the perfect body, you know, is that, is that health? Is that what we're looking for? As well, women, I think it's different from, from what men want. But as a woman, of course, you know, there's always that disappointment when you're trying to squeeze into that pair of jeans and, you know, you, you don't look the way that, that, that they look on Star Magazine. Exactly. Well, society and particularly the media would have us believe that that is what's healthy. And the unfortunate thing is that's become the entrenched definition of healthy. But being healthy is actually a state, several states. It's a state of physical, mental, and social well-being. It, and if you're talking about being healthy or well-being, as I like to say, it includes all those things we've seen, plus exercise, nutrition, supplementation, rest, relaxation, but it also includes the spiritual aspects. And it also includes your activities of daily living, what we commonly term lifestyle. Well, it's been, a, it's been a real honor talking with Dr. David Robinson on the air. Uh, his book is called Transforming Body, Mind, and Spirit, The Non-Diet, Way to Live Fit, Trim, Healthy for Life. And congratulations, of course, on uh, being our, uh, our choice of Blur Book of the Week last week. Absolutely. Thank you, thank you for being here, and I so look forward to reading your book and being in touch with you, Dr. David, so thank, thank you. you. Thank you very much again. And everybody can go check him out on the web, of course, at drdavidrobinson4health.com or Google him. And you can also Google us uh, 
Uh, of course, we're called Blurb Radio or BlurbRadio.com, and uh, you can go to uh, uh, visit uh, our actual radio page and hear us live on the air at BlogTalkRadio.com slash Blurb. And uh, what are you doing this week, Sally? Oh, what day is it? <laughs> Today? I think it's Wednesday. Oh, gosh. Okay, my daughter's off from school tomorrow, and basically, yeah, taking care of my kids. That, that's what my days consist of, and um, throw a little book marketing into the mix, and uh, you got my life. Very nice. Um, a lot of us uh, would envy that uh, for sure. And, and uh, we love talking about books here live on the air. Come check us out next week, and we hope you, uh, you all uh, are able to read a good book. Thanks so much for hanging out with me, Sally. Thanks, Dr. Kent, the publishing guru. Um, thank you for sharing your knowledge and uh, your excitement and your enthusiasm. And it's an honor to be here talking about books of you every week. And people can go check out who won this week's Blurb Book of the Week at uh, our website, uh, blurbradio.com. We'll talk to you the next time, Sally. Good night, everyone. <laughs>